God's children got stuff. Matter of fact, God's children should have more stuff than most people because we're engaged in a great calling. We're engaged in a great warfare. We're engaged in having to disobey ourselves. We're engaged in having to take the yoke. We're engaged in not walking by sight. We're engaged dealing with our soul. Anybody been overwhelmed this week? Good. Yeah, hallelujah. See that hand. Bless you. Well, I'm good. If you're overwhelmed, you might be coming to the Lord. I used to be underwhelmed. You know, I always thought that was something to shoot for. Anybody always trying to shoot to be un- over- underwhelmed? Yep. Trying to just kind of have a nice day? Have you ever noticed there's a fly in the ointment? There's always an overwhelming in the underwhelming. And that's what David said. Lord, when I'm overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. So we need to call out to the Lord. And then, having some self-control, we can walk that out. Being overwhelmed. So, I don't know about, you know, I need, a, I need to be washed today. I need to be cleansed. I need to be renewed. I need my eyes opened and refreshed. Yeah. So we should rather, like Paul, be glorying in our overwhelmness. How many people have had a hard time this week? I mean, you know, we haven't been persecuted, haven't been robbed. You know, most of us aren't starving. But God's still faithful. You know, He's able to deal with us. So we should be glorying, saying, you know, I've got a testimony. I've been overwhelmed. I've been, having the, been driven to the Lord today. Yeah, I've had, I got some things out of my control. I thought I had some things in my control. Then God showed me you better get rid of them because you're making a mess of them. Yeah, so we'd have to come to the Lord. So if you're not totally needy, you know, if you don't need the blood of Jesus Christ this morning, we might, might be underwhelmed. And the Pharisees, they were underwhelmed people. They didn't, they didn't have too much of a need. They thought they were together. So when God moves, we're not interested. But uh, I, was, I was thinking about that. Scripture came to me, a very popular Scripture, because remember, I mean, last week I talked about we, we, we need to be teaching one another, leading one another to death, the death of ourselves, the death of our independence, the death of my own ideas, the death of my own righteousness in serving God. And that, that's a big one. We're going we're gonna to look at that. But Paul had to go through some stuff. But in Psalms 23, I don't know why people like this psalm. I don't think they ever read it. I think they think it's talking about somebody else. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will flip out. Yeah, I'll blame somebody. I'll get mad. I'll say it's not God. I don't think this is the way I should go. You know, that last... I, I mean, I can understand the first part. You know, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death. But the second part is would have to be I'd have to exercise some faith. I'd have to grab hold of the hands of sorrow and suffering. I'd have to not walk by sight. I'd have to actually believe that God is working, that all things work together for the good and He's dealing in my life. Otherwise, I might rely on my own strength. I might rely on my own service to God. And God is going to come into our lives to actually confront our own service to God, what He did to Paul. See, Paul did something that we all have a habit of doing. He separated himself to God's service. I read this, you know, I read this morning in Oswald, and like my habit is, I mostly don't get it, and I dismiss things, and few hours later, a few minutes later, oh, wow, something really there. Many times we separate ourselves to God's service and God's going to have to straighten us out. Because Paul, hopefully it'll all tie together, but Paul doesn't say I separated. After he gets saved, after he actually meets God, after he becomes overwhelmed, he used to be underwhelmed. He had it together. He was serving God. He was serving God. He was serving the God of his forefathers. He was serving the God of his thoughts. He was a man that looked at his own character, looked at his own nature and said, I'm doing pretty good. Thank God. But that man doesn't go away justified. Justified? Justified. The one that says, oh God, I'm a sinner. He's going to go away justified. He's going to love a lot. But before we actually continually meet the Lord, I might think I'm serving God. 
And I'm starting to actually... My own, I, many times we want God just to help us, help me in my character to become what I desire to want to be. And that's not God's intention. So Paul over here is a person who's serving God and he separated himself. He separated himself. He had the Bible. He was a Pharisee. He was keeping the law. He was doing all of these things, but there was something missing. It was not God who separated him. So in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, I believe it says, it, when it pleased God, who separated me? He wasn't serving God when he thought he was serving God. But when it pleased God, who separated me? There comes a time that God separates us for His service. And my whole life is changed. I'm no longer looking to, to appeal to my own character. I'm not wanting God to come and fit into my service for Him of what I think I should do, what, he, what I think He wants. But God separates me to a calling I knew nothing about. It's His high and holy calling. And, and, and Paul actually says later on, he says, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly calling. And he, but there's something that actually takes place. We've been talking about change. And unless there's a loving of the call and the separation of God, I might have opportunity to return to becoming a Pharisee. But Paul says, I haven't been disobedient to the heavenly calling. In so much that when he's preaching about this, I'll give you the summary and hopefully we'll look at Scriptures later. The summary, the God, I think it's Festus, Felix, Agrippa, says, Paul, you're mad. You're just too, I mean, you're, you're too fanatical. You're too weird. You're just kind of given over to that. See, they could understand Paul, the Pharisee. He's doing his thing. But your life was once this and you really liked it. And now your taste has changed. You're actually doing something that you hated. And that's what he says, the, the, the heathen, the Gentiles, the, the, they're glorifying God in me, the one who used to persecute the very church in whom I now serve. He went from hating something to loving it. Now this came to me because this week I was talking to somebody and he was telling me this parable and I just couldn't get it. What's he talking about? I mean, it wasn't a parable out of the Bible. And I believe we don't allow those midday experiences that God comes flooding in and says, stop what you're doing. It's not me. Now, Paul was the only one who went, according to Scripture, is the only one who went away from that experience changed. Others saw some things, others heard some things, but Paul went away changed. God can be moving in our midst and only one may come back to say thank you. Only one may actually hear what God is doing. And I believe it's for us to say, Lord, who are you? Not, you don't fit into my program. I'm already doing it. Peter had the same problem. Peter's taste had to be changed. He had to be separated by God, not separating himself. Paul, Peter, rise, slay, and eat. No, that disgusts me. I don't have a taste for that. I don't eat that. I don't like that. And he became what once he despised and hated, he actually grew to love. We need to embrace the hands of the Lord. We need to embrace the hands of sorrow and suffering. The things that we like and don't like, even in our service to God, doesn't necessarily mean it's the Lord. Hello, Paul. And when God shows up in our life, He wants us to be changed. Not just, okay, I'm changed. Paul was so changed that they said, you're mad. We know who you are. You haven't been disobedient to the heavenly vision. You heard this thing. You, have been, you once, not like, oh yeah, well, we're serving God, but I, I think there was a battle in him all the time. I mean, could you know? And I believe that we actually miss the, the love of God and the real call of God when we don't allow God to separate me to His call. We separate ourselves 
We saw the vision, but I don't go away changed. I'm still I'm preaching kind of Jesus, but not the cross. I'm preaching kind of Jesus is Lord, but I still like certain things and do certain things. Paul says, bang! Lord, who are you? Then let it be so. And he said, immediately he began to change. So God's going to bring us to certain things that we might not like, even in our service. And at some see, we really love the Lord, like Peter. Peter actually, I think that Peter's the one who actually wrote this. I'm not sure. When I was young, no, no, no. I, uh, no, that was Paul, wasn't it? We get, we, when you're young, you, you, you know, you did young things. But when I grew up, Paul, I, I don't, I don't know. I no longer act like a child. There's some things. The buck stops here. You know, Daddy needs to prophesy. There's some things that need to go on in a, in a man's life. So, but yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. He doesn't, he doesn't deliver him out of the valley of the shadow of death, if you read the story. <coughs> Again, if I don't fall in love. See, the Bible actually says, taste and see <coughs> that there's lemon in your water. <coughs> taste and see that the Lord is good. We need to taste. We need to have our tastes changed. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I'd have to agree with that by faith. But if I have a revelation and a calling, if I've been separated from God, I should actually be able to, like Paul, it says, I used to do this. And I'm not talking about spitting, chewing, and you know, running around and doing sin. He was talking about his desires to serve God. I once was a fair... And then in, in Philippians, he says, but I count all those things but lost. My taste, I've tasted of the Lord and He's good. I no longer want to eat from this part. I no longer give place to this thing. I'm not no longer driven by this. As a matter of fact, I despise what I once loved. And I love that which I once hated. And therefore, God is being glorified in me because... I've tasted of the Lord. And He's good. Rise, kill and eat. And Peter goes out joyfully and does that. He's got some problems, as we all do. But there's a mindset change. There comes a time to taste and see that the Lord is good. And if I'm mindful of that country from whence I came, guess what? Man is never going to satisfy Manna is never going to satisfy. You don't elect to eat manna. It's God separated. It's God provided. But it is up to us to receive it by faith and be changed. There's things working in your life by the Holy Spirit and by God's design that are causing you to taste of the Lord and learn how to love it. I've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. Why not? He could have been. There's a whole bunch of other people that saw things. They were not changed. So God doesn't deliver us from the shadow of death. But in there, I'll fear no evil. See, now why, why is that such a remarkable statement? Well, usually when you're overwhelmed and you're pressed, you fear. You lash out. You judge. You condemn. You get angry. You get bitter. You, or you just might take your ball and go home. I mean, there's lots of things you could do. Fear takes on some funny aspects. You know, fear isn't always just, oh, breathe. Fear means, you know, I'm not playing basketball because I'm afraid of getting hurt. You know, you might not look like you're afraid, but you are. But Paul says, yes, Lord, what do you want from me? Okay, let's do it. And then he begins to preach. See, his taste changed. See, I've got to, I've got to embrace the taste and see that the Lord is good. If not, I'm going to be... Boy, you know, used to be we had... I mean, we were serving God back in Egypt too, you know. But there was, you know, there was garlics and onions and, you know, there's some stuff. This manna, I just can't receive it. Well, because my, God's wanting a relationship with me. It's none of those things, whether you're a Pharisee. Let's turn to that because it's so good. We'll keep our Bible fingers someplace. It's Philippians. <coughs> 
Philippians chapter 3, I think it is. Though I might have confidence in the flesh, in verse 4 of chapter 3, if any man think that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And he goes on to say, this is who I use. This is, this is what was driving my life. These are the things that I liked to do. See, not all the things you liked to do were bad things. You know, I know some people who are very giving. Giving doesn't get you into heaven. Being a nice person doesn't get you... Doing good work. Those things are well and fine to do, but they're not necessarily what God's called us to do. It's not God separating me to do His work. See, when we think, when we have confidence in the flesh, we think, oh... I would recognize flesh. Flesh can be very religious. Hello, Paul. Hello, Saul. Hello, Aaron's sons that were consumed by the Lord. There's a lot of things. But when we taste of the Lord, and I I believe we need to have a a, a midday experience with the Lord that goes, wow! Like a peppermint patty, you know? Wow. Yeah. That's good. But see, some of you might say, "I I don't like mint. Well, it wouldn't be you. See, again, if you think it's up to you, if, if God's here to change your character so that you can like yourself in serving God, that's not His purpose. Jesus looked at Himself and said, I, I despise what I see. I become the off-scouring. I'm not even a man. God, Your will be done. There is something so beyond what, what we can even possibly understand. Because it's not us any longer living to serve God. It's Christ. I'm living by the faith of the Son of God, which we'll read. But here we'll finish something. If I have confidence, I might have confidence in the flesh. Now, what's he going to go on to do? He's going to talk about his religious experience. He's going to go on about how he separated himself to serve God. And he goes on to, 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 to really quote some really good stuff, if that's what you were thinking. Circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a law touching the law of, uh, uh, touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal. You know, you can be zealous doing a lot of good things like Paul and not be separated by God. Because I taste it and I go, I don't like that taste. That tastes like death to me. That tastes like I would have to lose everything. I think I'm, I'm doing, you know, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is the law. That would be a lot to give up. It would be losing your reputation to yourself. See, it's not necessarily... When we, when we think about reputation, we think, oh, it's out there. No, we have to lose the reputation to ourselves. When Jesus looked at Himself, everybody despised Him. But when He looked at Himself, He says, all prophesying in Psalms, all my bones are out of joint. They wag their heads at me. I'm no longer a man. I'm a worm. I'm, I despise... He became sin. He had to endure that contradiction. But He tasted something. He walked through the valley of the shadow of death and he feared no evil. And he, wasn't, and he didn't actually pray to be delivered from it. The garden prayer was, Lord, should I pray that I be delivered from this? No. Just like the Psalms 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? You are with me. See, and that's what Paul says. All have forsaken me in prison, but the Lord was with me. I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. Should I go and ask God to take me away? It'd be far better, or should I remain here for you? You're with me. I've tasted something. My my palate, I said my palate, has been changed. There's a reason things are going on in your life. They're not just trials. They're to get your attention and say, Lord, what is it that you want? Got it. Like I said, at some point I'm going to have to embrace and say, thank God my life ended up for exactly what I didn't want it to be. Hallelujah. That's what Paul had to say. That's what Peter had to say. That's what you're going to have to say. The Lord is in control. He's walking me through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm overwhelmed. But Lord, You're in control. I will fear no evil. You are with me and You're doing a great thing. And my taste will change. Hallelujah. 
there's certain things that we need to start embracing. And there's some things I need to start hating. That's why Galatians is such a powerful letter. Paul is hating the very law that once he loved and defended. He didn't just change his palate, his desire, his zeal changed. He said, I've not been disobedient to the heavenly vision. Calm down. I think you're weird. I'm not weird. I'm, I've tasted of the Lord. I'm buying into death. Just some things to consider. Otherwise, I might, you know, I might separate myself. I feel good about separating myself. I used to be a very righteous person until I met the Lord. Many, all my righteousness that I worked so hard. I mean, I used to work hard to be righteous. I don't know about you. I mean, it was a conscious effort for me. Some of us just, you know, when I, we need a revelation to see how much of a whitewashed sepulcher we are. But I worked hard at being righteous. And then God then didn't say it was worthless. He said, that's of the devil. I mean, I liked it. And it was making my character good. I could feel good about myself. I mean, I wouldn't even mind serving God if I could just do it my way. Well, there's one problem with your way. It's from the devil. It's just from the devil. Have you tasted? Have you tasted? Yeah. So what does he change from? He says, I got a lot of things I could be talking about. Not interested in those anymore. Not even concerned with about those anymore. But there is something I am concerned about. But these things that were gained to me, I count loss. You know that God may even add some things into your life just simply to take them away? Would you let them? Ishmael? Isaac? Got the story of Joseph? Got David? You've got some things. Paul? I got some things that were gained to me. I was follow, I was serving God according to my ancestors. Got that all added to your life now? Good. Let me have it. Wow. Well, Ishmael, we could kind of get behind. Even though God didn't forbid it, like Don was sharing on Wednesday, went on for 13 years. It can actually get... There's some things that go on in our life that can actually get integrated into our life. And nobody's else is happening. But when it pleased God, the Bi- I said when it pleased God, the Bible said. Yeah, somebody. <clears throat> when it pleased God who separated me. Now, Paul was separated from his mother's womb. But it was some 40 years later that it pleased God to say, Now, Paul, I want you to taste something. We could be like, I don't, I don't do that because I got, I got some things I like and I don't like about. Son, would you go to the cross? Should I pray to be delivered from the valley of the shadow of death? Your rod and your staff bear with me. Let's move on in this. I can say like Paul, I've not been disobedient to what heavenly vision? The one that he changed my taste for. The one when I no longer are looking for myself and my own character and what I think God should do, but I'm looking for something else. Yea, doubtless I call all things but lost because now my taste has changed. There's one thing I want. I don't want my own reputation for myself. I'm not looking to make my own character well. I'm not even trying to be godly in my own sight. I want to know Him. This is what He's saying. I count all things but lost. I want to know Him. And I've suffered the loss of all things. You don't suffer the loss of all things naturally. You don't give up your reputation. You have to taste something and say, that's better. I wanna, I, I'm going to change my palate. I'm going I'm to have to embrace something. If not, now, I'm not, I'm not going to come, I'm just making parables and comparisons. So don't take anything I'm saying at this point for the next few minutes totally, literally. I'm not blaming anybody. But there's a mentality that has to happen. When we were in Turkey, a lot of the missionaries, they would talk about home, and it wasn't in Turkey. They would talk about things, but they weren't their life there because they were still mindful of something else. You know. I believe if God calls us to do, we've got to embrace what He's doing so I can know Him. Otherwise, it's just... I'm just passing through. I'm just doing my own thing. 
I might have opportunity of return. I'm not going to come to know Him. Because Paul says in Galatians, see, it's not about what we accomplish or don't accomplish or how good we feel about ourselves or what I think I'm serving God in, in, in Galatians chapter, chapter 2. We all know this. We know the Scripture by, you know, memory. I'm crucified with Christ. Have you tasted? Have you tasted of the cross? Are you crucified with Jesus? Well, it talks about being baptized. When we're baptized, we're baptized into His death. That in likeness of a new... As, as in Christ, we rise in newness of life. Not the old taste coming back. Not the old person coming back. Not the Pharisee coming back. Not the old character. We're baptized into His death. Just like Jesus, when He rose from the dead, He rose anew. He was able to walk through walls. He was able to be at places like that. He was able to be to the Father and back in an instant. It was a different body. It was a different mission. When we come to Christ and we're crucified with Him, we're dead. My taste should change that I want to eat the Lord. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. There's the problem. See, God left us in a body for a reason. And I believe it that so it, we, He can get our attention, it seems like, in this world. And all the things that I'm talking about, all the things that this book is talking about, have to come down to the daily reality in your life. And if we can't make that correlation, my taste will never change. It wasn't Peter, oh, well, my taste has changed. I want you to rise and eat pig meat. Paul, I want you to preach against circumcision. That's natural stuff. We're not getting circumcised in heaven. We're not going to be eating pig meat or not eating pig meat in heaven. These are things that have to do with you here and now that have eternal consequences in my soul. Are you hearing me? We don't make the correlation because my taste hasn't been changed. I'm still living... I, yeah, I saw the Lord on the road, but man, I, got, I still got to persecute the church. I got to keep my act together. I got to whatever it is. We don't, we, we, we don't see the Lord actually working. So the end of Joseph's life, well, not the end, but somewhere close there, Joseph's taste was changed. He wasn't the proud, arrogant little guy that was trying to get, you know, to be the father's best and get it over on his brothers. He said, my taste has changed. I forgive you. I don't, I'm not thinking that way anymore. He had to go through some physical stuff. He had to go through some reality. And what we have to determine is God speaking to me. See, what is God saying? His desire is to knock you to the ground and to get your attention so that you can have some self-control like Paul and say, you know what? Pass the pork. Not that poor, not, see, it's not that those things matter, but they sure matter up here. Amen. It matters if you're in control of what you like and don't like. And a lot of times we said, I just don't like to do that. How arrogant. We're, the, the, the disciples at, pray, asked Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. Gives them a stupid answer. Might almost be, you know, almost like you might hear something here. I mean, how would you like to be have your faith increased? Boom! Not happening. That's what they were hoping for. You know, they wanted to call down fire from heaven. They wanted to do great and might, you know, just like us. Jesus says, okay, let me tell you a story. There's a man out plowing. You have a servant out plowing. He's been plowing all day. When you come home, when that servant comes in, you're not going to prepare him a meal. Well, wait a See, some of us, get, I read that story, I get offended. Because the natural Pharisee and good one in me would say, sit down, you did me a favor, thank you. Jesus finally ends up the whole thing. It says, do you think the master's even going to say thank you to that servant? Absolutely not. He was just expecting what his due was. Oh, you never said thank you. Change your taste. You want some faith increased? Oh, man, I've been plowing all day. I don't really care. Go in the kitchen, set dinner, and when I'm eating and drinking, I mean, what has the Lord of the house has been doing all day? Probably buying rugs. 
you know, going down to the market, talking, drinking chai, falan, filan. And he's coming home. He, you know, he's decked out. This guy. Oh. The unprofitable servant. He's just done what he's expected to do. It almost sounds like Romans 12. He's done his reasonable service. might be overwhelmed at that point. You may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. There's a reason. Shh. Your thinking is wrong. Amen. Amen. Your thinking is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And it's never going to appear like that because I know my brothers were wrong in selling me into slavery. This guy's a jerk, Potiphar. I wouldn't touch his wife. What's the matter with that idiot? It was God. Joseph's taste finally changed. It was God who had something I didn't even know about. See, I was still concerned about my rights and my character and God working in my life and trying to be a witness or not be a witness. And No. No. I want to know Him. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live should be from a different palette, a different zeal, a different agenda, a different uh, motivation. It should be that I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. whole different motivation. I'm not here to accomplish or do something for God. It's, Lord, I want to know You. You work in my life. My, my life is changed. I want to know Him. So, we have these things going on. And I believe we have to come to a place of, in, in, in the Holy Spirit. Once we were children, you know, we did a lot of childish stuff, talked a lot of childish stuff. You know, it, it's good. It's good to be a child. But there comes a time to grow up and put away. I said, what? No, put away. Say the way. Yeah, my palate changes. I got to put away some things. You know. I got to start doing some stuff. I got to choose to put away those things which were gained to me. I can't forget them. They're there. Paul could list them off. I put them away. It wasn't God. Thought it was. It's not God. It was me. But when it pleased God, Galatians 1:15, when it pleased God, who separated me? God has separated you. For what reason? To know him. And for His will to be worked in. It, ta- it means my whole thought of thinking and looking at everything that takes place in my life is changed and it's no longer up to my palate and my likes and my dislikes. It's up to the will of God and the resurrected Son of God that lives in me and the faith of the Son of God that we're living by. It's a whole different judgment scale. Because if not, you might be swayed by King Agrippa that says, You're nuts! What's the matter with you? We want to let you go. What are you appealing to Rome for? This is silly. Oh, no. No, I put a little more ketchup on it. I love it. And that's what we're fighting against right here. So there's some things. See, God is in control of our life. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And He's not going to deliver us. See, a lot of times I think we're just praying wrong. God, deliver me. Jesus said, I'm not praying that. Should I pray to be delivered from this? No, I want to walk with you in this. There's something you've got me here for. Your rod and your staff. I'm learning. I'm coming to know you. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Personally, I'm not real hungry in the presence of my enemies. His taste has to change. Yeah. There's There's a deep work of the Holy Spirit in us that can... That when we when that change, we're preaching the gospel. See what we're preaching? We're preaching Christ is all in all. That's the way my life needs to be—a witness that God's having His way in my life. Yeah, God separated me. Make no. See, we we have a, a thing that God, you know, like I said, I read this in Oswald. It's very good. Make God. We want God to make me more desirable in my own eyes, in my own service to God. Just it's not, it's, not, it's not a revelation. It's the Pharisee working in me. It's the holding on, you know, until God 
has to work in us to where we can possibly like Joseph and say, oh, my taste has changed. Yeah. So there's something, again, see, if we don't realize that God is in control of our life and working through the valley of the shadow of death, working through these things that seem to be like so unreal, we never change. And therefore, I continually find myself fighting against God. Because the reason that we fight against God is we lack the self-control to grow up and have my taste changed. There's some people who haven't ever grown up. They still eat candy for, you know, sodas and stuff for breakfast. No, it's time to stop that. They come, I mean, you can do it. But it's not what's going on. See, I've got to cut some point. I might want to keep Jesus from going to the cross because it's all about me. I want you to stay here. I want you to keep healing. I want you to keep doing. I want you to keep... Don't go to the cross. You're thinking like the devil. As a matter of fact, you are the devil is what he said at that point. Wow. His taste had to change. Say, boy, Lord, there's something more going on here than I can comprehend. That's called faith. We're able to see those things that aren't seen. So God is working in us to have our minds changed to prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. We're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But not I, but Christ lives in me by the faith of the Son of God. Now, he, won, he separated us. And let's turn to that. First Galatians chapter 1, 15. But it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by His grace. For what reason? Not for you to serve God. Yes. And it's up to God how He wants to reveal His Son in you. In one place, He says, if, if it was, how could you blame God if He chooses by His mercy and infinite wisdom to raise up Pharaoh and harden his heart that His Son would be revealed? Taste-changing. Life-changing. Well, I don't see how... Paul did not see either. He thought he was until his eyes were reopened. First off, you had to be blind to have them reopened. Amen. Sometimes you've got to walk blind for a while until you have your sight coming on you. Amen. To have his, so the purpose is, what would be the purpose? To reveal His Son in me. And His Son was revealed in, the, you know, in front of King Agrippa. His Son was revealed in different places wasn't what Paul thought he had to do. Thank God your life isn't what you had planned. But wait, there's yet more. You still might not have a mind change. We might not be embracing the things that God is wanting us to embrace. You know, they had the same problem back in the early church. The Jews and the Gentiles didn't really get along. Do you know why? Just think about it. I mean, you can get into some deep theology here. Why do you think they didn't get along? Give me some reasons. Come on. Same reasons you got today. What's that? Yeah, but why? What would, the, what would be some of the aspects of that? Yeah, they're only changes. We're not still narrower. They live differently. Those Gentiles, we're not going to tell them. You know what they like to eat? Do you know what they think about? Do you know what their political stand is? Do you know what they wear? Do you know what they believe? It's going on. And that's exactly where God's going to meet you. Joseph, what do you believe? Paul, what do you believe? Peter, what do you believe? We believe you're the Son of God. Have your way. My life means nothing. My likes mean nothing. My desires, my righteousness, my service mean nothing. Reveal your Son in me. If that's to go to the cross, so be it. But the problem is we have to die daily. See, And those that die the, the first death don't have to taste the second death. Hallelujah. There's a dying that needs to go on. Do you recognize God moving when Potiphar sends you to prison? And you, it was, you were just doing the best you can. I mean, I know. You're walking through the valley of shadow of death. Taste's got to change. Your taste's got to change. Hallelujah. So there's some things i got to start embracing. Did we read Philippians 3? I think we just did. 
Galatians 20. Yeah, we read that. 2.20, yeah. yeah. Now, we were talking, you know, last week about the stomach. Again, that's, we need to be separated by God. <clears throat> the stomach does not produce acid when it wants to. It's told by something that's not even related or really is unaffected in any real physical way to what the stomach's doing. The brain says, produce acid. Well, maybe the stomach doesn't want to. See, now the problem is, the Bible talks about in, in Peter that he's building with living stones. You know what the problem with living stones is? They have opinions. They have ideas. They all want to be the window. They want to be the stove. Nobody, nobody wants to be the sewer line. Everybody wants to be the mouth, not too many ears. Living stones is like, do this. No, I don't feel like doing that. But see, why does God use the, the analogy of the body? Because He made it. And He made it as an example of the gospel. So here the stomach is sitting there minding its own business. It's not doesn't have to produce acid. It doesn't have to burn up. It's, it's doing fine. The brain says, produce I don't have that idea. You're not supposed to have the idea. God's separation comes from someplace else. That's why He made the church. Whoa! Did you find yourself in the church and you're getting some signals? Then I don't agree with that. I don't know about that. That's the reason. You haven't lost the Pharisee yet. You still thought you were serving God. It's got to be broken. Let's just read that a little bit. Philippians chapter 3. See, when, when Jesus came to Peter, I got a whole bunch of stuff there. When Jesus came to Peter, he said, do you love me more than these? And I started thinking about that. Well, I started thinking about it after his idea came to me. You know what we love? Me and mine. Do you love me more than your own idea, Saul, Paul? Do you love me more than yourself, Peter? You went back to go fishing. That was your natural taste. You liked to do that. You thought you denied me. You thought it was over, didn't you? Do you love me more than mine? Do you love me more than these? See, love is never having to say you're sorry. That's a, that's a lie. Love is probably always being wrong. You know, and saying, yeah, I adapt to that. Lord, we love the Lord, we'll serve Him. Well, how would we serve Him? Well, we'd, we'd have to, you know, have a relationship with Him. And start saying, yeah, I like those kind of things. That's what we're doing. So, yeah, do you love me more than mine? Ephesians chapter 3. I don't know how much we'll get through this. Well, let's, start in, let's just start in the first chapter. Uh, Philippians chapter 1. Verse 16. Philippians is a good book. You know, it's, it's visionary, giving some promises. But it's also saying some things that we, we tend to forget. We actually tend to, we tend to forget to actually walk with the Lord in this life. We usually walk as Pharisees. We usually take the detour that says, valley shadow of death, detour. Well, let's take a detour. I don't want to go through there. I might have to you know, actually trust the Lord and be changed. I might actually come out the other side and be blinded for a while and then come out and go, wow, praise God. It's no longer I that live. I, I, you know what? I'm actually changing some stuff. I'm changing mine. See, until I do that, I'm going to return. See, at some point, i got to hear God and say, that's God. I don't really care what I'm anybody. See, now, it's got, now, I know sometimes we get upset because I get real, real about talking about real stuff. We think, oh, that doesn't matter. Show me any place in the Bible where God doesn't use real stuff to actually get a hold of people. It's done every time. But if we only see that stuff, we haven't tasted of the Lord. See, they only saw the manna and not the, they couldn't get past not having the smorgasbord because they didn't taste of the Lord. They still had some ideas. But when I start to hear God, 
then we could rise up and I'd be separated to God and I'm no longer disobedient to the heavenly vision. There's some things that I'm preaching and thinking that I never liked before. There's some things I'm putting on my sandwich I never ate before. See, no one can do that. Jesus said, take my yoke. Take my yoke. Take up your cross. Now, the word in Turkish for submission is boyun esin, or emet. Very hard to say. And you know what that means? It means bowing the back of your neck. And I started to think about that. And you know what the Bible calls people that don't submit? Stiff neck. You can't get that person's head in the yoke that way. You ever, I mean, even children. You ever go to touch a child when they're in a bad attitude? They're having to learn. Submit is not a force. Because even a child can resist you with their neck. I mean, you cannot break their neck. I mean, you can't break I mean, it's like, I mean, you know. Right, Lydia? I mean, have you ever had that, you know? I don't know. Maybe you haven't experienced it yet. You know. God says, take my yoke. Anybody here ever work with cows? A lot of things we've been taking out of the agri- agricultural society miss it. A cow can, will not do anything it doesn't want to do. They can kill you. I mean, I, I've been very close to that. You know, the bull is real nice until it decides, I want to go through that fence and you're in the way. And he's not mad. He just walked right through the fence. I'm in the way. doesn't matter. Now, when he wanted to, George the Bull, he was George the Bull, Black Angus. And he could cuddle his head and you do but when you know his and he had a big neck. And you could just hug and when he was tired, all he had to do was like this with his neck, and you were thrown. I mean, a long way. Right? Yeah, Randy knows. Yeah, yeah. So take my yoke. Will you will you learn of me? Will you taste of me? But see a yoke means I'm voluntarily falling in love. I keep falling in love with him over and over, over and over again. And he keeps taking me through the valley of the shadow of death. Keep getting overwhelmed. Will I now start to embrace the recipe and the plan that God has for me? I got dis- At some point, I have to give him the back of my neck or I can... Be like, see, Paul was stiff-necked serving God. Um, Pharisee, a Pharisee would kill that church. We're going to do it. It's not what God wanted. God wanted the back of his neck. God wanted to say, wow, that's, um, that's what I'm seeing. Are you following me? So take my yoke. You know, one can do that for you. I got a, I got a desire to, to taste and see that the Lord is good. I got a desire to let Christ, the Son of God, live in me and no longer me that live. I got to actually trust God with mine. Mine. I got to trust Him with the very, the, the deepest love that I have is me. And what it is is my stuff. I don't eat. I don't do. I don't think. I kill a church. I'll do this. No one tells me. I want to wake up. I clean my house. I do. Do you love me more than these? but I've worked my whole life and I'm organizing. Am I worth more than all of these? Are you willing to take all your pearls, all your pearls, and sell them for one? It means that my thinking would have to change. And if my thinking doesn't change, there's no unity. There's no love. There's no knitting together. There's no change to prove what is that good and acceptable will of God. There's, oh, okay, this is another, another Pharisee preaching the gospel or doing his Jewish thing. Great. They wouldn't have been impressed. They saw, they understood this man who had given his life for this no longer had that same motivation. His political stance, his moral stance, his life stance changed. He loved him more than these. Now, you are always going to have some these. So you can love. Oh, I choose to love. 
I put that down. It's going to be a fight. But I got to choose to let the Son of God live in me, or I just serve my, you know, I just serve Him. I cease not to give thanks in verse 16. Now we're going to come to what I believe God is desiring to do in all this. See, God wants a relationship with you. And He wants not just a relationship with you, He wants a relationship with you in fulfilling His purpose. See, and that's where sometimes it gets a little sticky. I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In what? Not in the service of Him. Not in knowing what to do. Not in creating good character in you. Not in becoming holy. Holiness is a byproduct or a fruit of knowing Him. It's a byproduct of, or the fruit of tasting of the Lord. But a lot of times we, we get that wrong. We think getting holy and doing all these things like Paul did. I'm doing all this stuff. I must be serving God. No. Totally different agenda. <clears throat> we need a spirit of wisdom. This morning, you need a spirit of wisdom and a revelation just like Paul had. Who are you, Lord? Speak to me. God had been speaking to him through the Bible all the time, but this was going to be like, God, speak to me. What do you want me to do? Now, if God talked to you, I mean, he comes from heaven, a light appears, Jesus Christ is speaking to him, what do you think God would say to you? I want you to go to the city and wait for somebody. Real life stuff. His mind had to be changed. Yeah. Not persecute the church, not go do this, not do this, not... Go and do this. Whoa. Changed. Changed to believe God that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Do you fellowship with the Lord in the valley of the shadow of death with your suffering or does your suffering win? Just think about it. How many times does your suffering win? I don't want to do that. I can't believe that. Don't tell me what to do. I always thought this. That's just my opinion. You just did no longer fellowship with the suffering of the Lord. Your suffering won and your taste hasn't been changed. You're going back to Egypt. But when I suffer something, and then I embrace what I've taught to suffer, and it becomes mine, I've been changed. And Paul actually says, I now preach the gospel of what I once persecuted. The thing that I hated, I now love. It's not, oh, I've got to love it. I've got to love it. Are you following me? Good, I'm, I hope so. Have the eyes of your understanding today enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the, the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now he's moving towards something. He's got a purpose. He wants you to wake up. He wants you to see something. It's not going to make any sense. God's got an instrument for suffering. And it cost him his life to birth it. And he put the whole of God's plan into what he birthed. And we don't get it. it we, come, we come face to face, just like Paul did on the road, with the Pharisee in us. And who's going to win? It's a, it's a showdown. It's, you know, it's high noon. There's the Lord and the Pharisee. You don't have to show up. You could play bus, best faller and you know, pretend you were dead. Or you can just have the Lord shoot you up and raise from the dead and be on his side. Yeah, kind of a funny analogy, but you know. Yeah. The eyes of your understanding enlightened that you might know what is the hope of his calling and what's his calling, his separation, not yours. Your plans probably are different. What the riches of the glory and inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. There's someone working in you. There's a purpose working in you you don't know anything about. It has nothing really even to do with you. God's at work to will and do of his good pleasure. He's determined some things about you. He never asked you. Didn't ask Joseph, do you want to go to prison? Do you want to go to Egypt? Would you like to save your family? He didn't ask. God doesn't have to ask. Servant, come in, make me dinner. It's just the way it is. Now, a faithful servant is one that seems to be having some, some faith. That's what the, remember the parable was. Teach us to have faith. 
Love the Lord. Do what He says. Let that work in you. So pretty soon, guess what? I think when that servant probably would, after coming in from plowing, he'd probably getting dinner ready. His mind was changed. Now, where's that stupid servant? I got oh, I'm gonna make. Who, who wants to send a slothful man? It says a, a man who doesn't get it, a man whose taste is not changed, a slothful man, a man who doesn't love his master is like sending a, a messenger is like walking on a broken foot. It's no fun, guys. Time we get the message. And the message means you've got to love some certain things and there's certain things you've got to put away. Paul put them away. Peter put them away. Joseph put them away. You put them away. Had to embrace some things. What is the exchange and what he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead? Set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places. Are you getting an idea of the majesty of Jesus here? You're getting there's no other name under heaven where, given amongst men whereby they must be saved. There's no other greater name than Jesus Christ. There's no other greater person than Jesus Christ. There's no other greater work than what Jesus Christ has done. All glory and honor, all purpose of God is centered in on Jesus Christ. He says, look at Him now. Remember the transfiguration. Hear my Son. All things. And Paul is now going on here by revelation. Hear my Son. Hear Jesus. Hear Jesus. It's all in Christ. There's a great plan. And we're going, yes, yes. Oh, one of these days they're going to bow down to me. Yeah haven't been changed yet, I said. Sorry. But there's a change coming. His name is Jesus. Far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, there is nothing out of Jesus Christ's dominion. There is nothing outside of His purpose. There is nothing, no one else working in your life except God to work His will and good pleasure. Will you take the yoke? See, at some point, when I hear the stomach, when I hear the brain say, make acid, I've got to make acid. Now, do you end up, you know why? You know you'd get sick if you didn't. And then we say, look, I'm getting sick. You're not submitting. You're not changing. You thought it was all up to you. You, you, you read the, oh, we're all parts of the body, but you want to make acid when you want to. You think you could do it. No, it doesn't happen that way. Joseph, you're going to do this, 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 bang, bang. And this is what Ephesians is talking about. It's God that's working in you. Go with it. Submit to it. Come to know Him in it. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death in it. He's with you. And he put all things under his feet. All things are under the feet of Jesus. Jesus is above all names, all rule, all power, all authority. Do you believe that? Until it comes eating a ham sandwich. Until Potiphar sells you. Until you're asked to be circumcised. Until you are, oh, well, man, you see, I just, until you're knocked to the ground, you can either say, this is ridiculous, this is stupid, I don't have to take this, I'm doing the work of God. Or you can say, Lord, what is it that you want? There's a difference. You're either going to hang on to your life, be stiff-necked and not put your head in the yoke, or, Lord, you lose your reputation to yourself. Yeah. Put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head to all things to the church. This same Jesus that has just been talking about in the last few verses, God in his infinite plan and wisdom and knowledge and power put Jesus as head of the church. What does the head do? Make acid. Do this. Do that. And what do we do as lively stones? I don't want to. Don't see it. How come they don't? Don't like it. Feel it. It's a devil. It's not the Lord. I don't want to. I think I'll make acid later. Well, we've just not had our eyes opened. We kind of thought that we're self-sufficient. I know when to make acid, thank you. No, you don't. He put this same Jesus who was crucified for you that rose from the dead as head of the church and he's moving by the Holy Spirit to change your mind. To say, I know you've been working. No, he doesn't even say that. Make me dinner. Do you hear it? Confront it. Show up at high noon. Don't 
Someone should go away dead. Someone needs to go away dead. And he hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head of the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. So this same Jesus is made head of the church. Wow. Well, that might put a different light on things. Chapter 3. Verse 7. Talking here about, you know, we've just been talking about where I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effectual working of His power. The power of the Holy Spirit's working in Paul and he's identifying again. He said, when I was separated from God, God's called me to be a minister to the Gentiles, to the, to the work according to the grace that's been given unto me. Unto me, who am less than the least of all the saints. His taste has changed. That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Do you like the unsearchable riches of Christ? Do you? Come on. Take a step of faith here. Yeah. Do you? How come you're always trying to search them out and limit them? You knew it was a setup. Well, God would never do that. I can't. It's unsearchable. Do you believe that God is working in you on the road to Damascus? Could it possibly be God interrupting your plans of serving Him? Could it be that He wants to get a hold of you for a purpose you don't know anything about? This same Jesus He put head over the church to work in your life. The unsearchable riches of Christ. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. There's a mystery and a fellowship of the mystery that's been hid and it's supposed to be revealed. Remember? Christ in us is to be revealed. He wants to reveal His Son. This working of the Holy Spirit in our lives is to bring us to a relationship with the Holy Spirit so that the fellowship of the mystery also could be worked out in our life as He sees fit. To the intent, there is a reason why He's working in your life and you don't know anything about it because it's the great song by, by, by Martin Luther. It says, If in our own strength we would fight the enemy. We would be failing. It's not up to you to serve God. It's not up to you to come up with a plan. It's up to you to hear the, the head and say, yes, offend them. Let's do it. Hallelujah. My taste to be changed. You want acid? I make acid. Hallelujah. And pretty soon you get to know Him because you're fellowshipping with His suffering. To the intent, there's a reason. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in the heavenly places might be made known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Paul talking about himself, I believe he's talking about himself, but let's say he knew a man that was caught up to the third heaven. He saw things that were unspeakable. He had a relationship with God. It seemed at one point he had a choice to either go to be with the Lord or not. Things he was, his, his, his revelations were so great, God had to buffet him to keep him under. Oh man, if I had that kind of a relationship with God, what would I do? I would serve the church! Hallelujah! Put up with those knuckleheads. Put up with the people that are going to leave me in prison. Put up with those that, you know, I had to rebuke Peter. Put up with... No, no, no. There's something being revealed in me. It's His Son. Hallelujah. My taste has changed. It's God who's going up through the church. The manifold wisdom of God is that brain is sending, do this, do this. And the church rises up and does it, whether it's torn apart, torn in pieces, or doing glorious things. It doesn't matter. Let God be glorified. And the devil's in hell. And the devils everywhere are going to see it. And God will be glorified. Not by your works. Not by your Phariseeism. Not by being raised again as a clean Pharisee. But by being raised as a new person. That My mind is changed. I love this. Yeah, I just would have to take the yoke. The manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus. And we'll just go on from there. But there are some things I've got to put my brain around. There are some things I'm going to have to start embracing as God that I never thought were God. There's a reason why you're put in prison. There's a reason why you've been put with somebody. There's a reason why you're hearing this message. There's a reason why. And you can show up at high noon with blanks and go away unchanged. 
where you can say, yes, Lord, I'm changed. Yeah. Wait a minute. My thinking's got to change about Gentiles. My thinking's got to change about taxes. My thinking's got to change about my time, my values, what I like, what I don't like. Oh, that would be mine, wouldn't it? Those things are pretty... But Jesus said, unless you forsake all that you have, you can't be my disciple. There's some things that we hang on to every day. Well, we need to be people that are like the Holy Spirit, leading one another into death so that we have the opportunity to be comforted, to take, you know, to not fear, and to come to know Him in the fellowship of His sufferings. Saying, oh, I love the Lord so much, and I love what He's doing. This is His body, the church. Wow. I think, you know what? There's a purpose for me. You know, I'm no longer hiding, you know, the yoga books in my knapsack. You know, you got some stuff. You got some things that have been being preached you're not, you're not, you're not loving. There might be some real strengths, Paul. Saying I don't want them. So anyway, I just, you know, submit that to you. Do we love Jesus more than these? Do we love him? And we're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, help us. Because with man it's impossible. But that same very, that Jesus that died for our sins and rose again from the dead and far above all principalities and powers is at work in you. He's head over the church and he's doing a great work. And all we have to do is say, thank you, Lord. Yeah. I'm changing. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right.